You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly. As always, it's my great pleasure to take you to the podcast each and every week here at OTI. I'm joined once more by my co-host, Doug Moore. And Doug, uh, good news today. It's your, it's your birthday, I believe. That is correct. Happy That's birthday, why Doug. I'm able to... <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, peeling peel back the curtain, uh, usually we record this podcast when it's uh, nighttime here for me in Ireland, uh, but today we're recording this one a little bit earlier. So, Doug, uh, uh, we moved up the schedule with our guest today, and uh, Doug uh, just woke up and just got out of bed, so he should be fresh and ready to go for this. Yeah, you uh, don't you don't have to tell them that. But. Uh, we, we do, Doug, we do. But uh, <laughs> our, our guest on today's show is going to be uh, Scott Barrett. He's here with us at the moment, and uh, Scott's somebody I wanted to get on the show for uh, quite some time. He's the senior analyst uh, over there at Pro Football Focus Fantasy, and uh, glad to glad to get you aboard the show. Yeah, thank you, Colin. Uh, glad to be on. Happy birthday, Doug. How's that birthday hangover treating you? <laughs> no, no hangover. Don't worry. But uh, just stayed up very late playing Madden. But um... <laughs> like like all grown ups. Yep. Yep. All all mature. 24-year-old people do. Like, uh, so Doug's still, uh, Doug's the youngest here, I believe, uh, on the show, but Doug just mentioned Madden, and uh, anyone that was paying attention to the OTI Twitter feed today would have seen that uh, I have a game uh, off Madden 18 to give away, courtesy of GameStop Ireland, so anyone that's interested in entering that competition, make sure you do so, uh, that there was an organically worked-in plug, I guess we'll call it, so Doug's been up all night playing Madden, so you have a chance to win one if you go to the the Twitter feed. I'm going to start off, uh, obviously, uh, I don't know if either of the guys have any interest in it, but uh, being the week it is, uh, we have McGregor and Mayweather coming up this week. Uh, are you, Scott, are you interested in the fight? I am so excited. Oh, I, I can't, can't wait. wait. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be uh, so much, uh, I'm going to do so much drinking, I think, this uh, this Saturday night. Uh, but it's going to be going to be great. Uh, let's see what happens in the ring. Are, are, you, uh, are you on board with Mayweather? Or are you jumping aboard the Irish bandwagon here with uh, all the Irish guys with uh, Conor McGregor? Yeah, so so I can, I can look at this two different ways. It's kind of like fantasy where... You know, like all I care about is just winning my league and having my, uh, you know, followers, readers win their league. So I look at purely in terms of, you know, giving the best advice, ranking the best players as highly as possible. And in that sense, I think Mayweather is going to, you know, blow him out of the water. Uh, I talked to a guy I'm friends with who boxes and does UFC. He says comparing the two is like comparing javelin to uh, volleyball or something like that. Completely different sports, and Mayweather's the best at it, and McGregor has never competed on this level before. Uh, I think he was like a junior champ in Ireland. Um, But then, you know, like, also, if I'm in a friends and family draft, I'm going to treat that differently than, you know, the advice I'm giving, where where I'll draft Marshawn Lynch, I'll draft Rob Gronkowski, although they might be greater risk, they're just so much fun to watch, and I want them on my team. So I'm going all out rooting for... McGregor, I want him to win. I don't, I, I don't think he, he does, but uh, I really hope he does. And like, I, I, I keep continually like hearing myself talk myself into uh, his chances. Yeah, well, when you hear him talk, it's easy to talk yourself into uh, believing that he's uh, going to win. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope McGregor wins. Uh, you know, it's one of those cases, like you said, when you analyze it, you break it down. Looks like there's no chance, but there just is uh, always that little bit of doubt uh, in your head. It's like any given Sunday in the NFL. 
you don't expect the Cleveland Browns to go out and beat the Patriots, but maybe sometimes it does happen. I heard an analogy this week uh, comparing it uh, in football terms to the best uh, the best team in college football, maybe playing the worst team in the NFL. And uh, you know you'd expect obviously still the worst team in the NFL to crush the the college team coming out uh, with that experience. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Doug, any interest, or are you just going to be uh, asleep uh, while it's on? Yeah, I'm not going to be asleep during it. I, I swear, I don't sleep all the time as much as I want to. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, and, and I have my reasonings for why I want McGregor winning. Um, not only is it good to see an underdog win, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's 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 sort of like um, it's sort of like Rocky Three, where where Rocky faces Thunderlips in a wrestling match, and you know the the when the boxer and the wrestler go up in a wrestling match. Who do you think is going to win? And, you know, that's that's sort of what I think. A boxer and a and a mixed martial artist going up in a boxing match. I think the, the, the guy who is proven to be, and I hate saying this, but one of the best of all time um, in the sport, I think it's going to be uh, the guy who obviously has made a living doing boxing, despite me not wanting him to win it all for yeah, um, I think. I think uh, we're we're all thinking uh, the same line. So uh, we'll see what happens. That's enough uh, MMA and boxing analysis to start the podcast here. We'll start to talk a little bit now, obviously, about uh, the NFL. Just before we jump into that, though, I want to give a thank you to all of you who uh, tuned into the show today, whether you're a long-time listener or a first-time listener. Hopefully you are a long-time listener, but if you are a first-time listener, uh, head over and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to the podcast on. You can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere that you can find uh, podcasts, and uh, you can also listen to us on OvertimeIreland.com, stream us there, but... Uh, on overtimeireland.com forward slash podcast you'll find all the different ways to listen to the show so thank you please do subscribe and give us a written and review there thank you for the great support you give us here week after week i just want to mention yet again last week i did mention it a plug with the competition that we've got going on with fantasyfootballtshirts.com they will be our official store for the 2017 season there's a lot of different oti merchandise up there there will be more coming in the coming weeks but you can win a shirt of your choice from their store the entire store lots of fantasy football t-shirts up there on fantasyfootballtshirts.com to enter that competition, just head over to our Twitter feed, at Overtime Ireland, and then once you're there, hit that retweet button on that competition tweet, and you'll be entered in. That will be uh, The draw will be on Thursday, and the winner will be announced on next week's show and through the Twitter feed as well. The other competition that I mentioned there a moment ago was the Madden competition. Uh, we have a, a copy of that to give away, and uh, just go similar to that there. Head over to at Overtime Ireland, retweet the competition tweet, and uh, that will be announced on Thursday, the release date of Madden, so get involved in that competition. And the last thing I want to plug is on OvertimeIreland.com. You can head over, hit the recommended page. We have a lot of banner ads over there for Amazon, Amazon dot com amazon.co.uk, as well as free Audible trials with uh, two books for the USA members and one book for the uk and irish members so do check that out uh, all of it does help support the pod here and uh, we do thank you for that on today's show we're gonna there's quite a bit of a quarterback uh, talk on the agenda and uh, we're gonna be talking to about some of scott's uh, articles that he is uh, coming up and some of the stuff that he's been posting on twitter over the last couple of days so that should be fun as well so we're going to start off going through the nfl news and looking uh, first of all uh, the florida times union's ryan o'halloran believes it would make perfect sense for the jaguars to cut blake bartles this summer uh, he said a, a pretty abysmal uh, pre-season off-season last season i guess all the seasons haven't been good for bartles and uh, uh, this year his salary is guaranteed but 
Again, with signing that there, uh, you know, option for him for his fifth year if he gets injured this year. Pretty similar to what we've seen with RG3 a few years ago. He'd be guaranteed $19 million in 2018. So uh, the competition there is between him and Chad Henney, and it's uh, pretty bleak when we're looking at Chad Henney poss- possibly starting games again in the NFL. Uh, what are you making of the situation, Scott, down in Jacksonville? And uh, just uh, how bad has it been for Bartles kind of over the last 18 months? Yeah, it's it's been brutal, and it's kind of been that way throughout his entire career he kind of got held to float uh two seasons ago by uh just like really bad game script teams just uh opposing defenses taking their foot off the gas a little bit just going to a weaker zone that he it's kind of easier for him to to score points and we know he's super garbage time dependent uh yeah i i don't move for the Jaguars if they try and move on I like the idea of trading for uh, Tyrod Taylor maybe signing Colin Kaepernick as competition uh, trying to lure Tony Romo out of retirement any of those Uh, but yet Doug Marone was asked uh, what the ideal number of pass attempts would be for Blake Bortles in 2017 he answered half jokingly zero but then the crowd laughed and he followed up with I'm not joking I, I want to run the ball as much as possible I think that's what we're going to see this season a lot of carries for Leonard Fournette and uh, everyone in the receiving game takes a big step back yeah I, I agree with that as well and I, I, that quote was uh, I think about a week ago and it's pretty pretty damning situation uh, with the quarterbacks I do think he's going to want to run the ball a lot more Doug with uh, the J- Jacksonville Jaguars likely to run the ball more do you expect uh, you know are you kind of tempering expectations obviously last year Alan Robinson had a down year and we've seen you know Alan, Hor- Alan Horns had a down year based on what he did the year previous and then Marcus Lee had a nice enough season but again he's uh, out again with another hamstring injury looking at the pass catching options there are you kind of lowering all expectations there Doug for those guys yeah I, I think unless they have a serious upgrade which I think is pretty impossible at this point um, to at least upgrade seriously. Um, I really don't have a lot of confidence in regards to fantasy for them. Not to say they're not going to do well. It's just I personally won't take that risk on them. Um, yeah, Hearns is, is the type of guy who, especially with the emergence of Marquise Lee, I don't know if he's going to be able to even put up weekly um, you know, fantasy numbers that are going to be relevant enough to be considered as a flex option. Lee's sort of that guy that... Um, you know, again, could come in and, and sort of um, ruin some weeks for guys who have Allen Robinson, um, but the other weeks not do anything. So that's just the sort of thing. It's it's tough. I mean, Robinson's going to put up good numbers, I think. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to put up 2015 numbers, but he'll put up, you know, pretty decent numbers. Um, but still, I, I if, if I don't have to, I'm not going to buy them um, unless their ADPs go way down just because it's – it's really tough to count on anybody in this offense, even Leonard Fournette for me personally. So it's just not a good situation for any offensive player there. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned there uh, the possibility, of, you know, going and trying to trade for somebody like Tyrod Taylor. I think the co- or the the Bills obviously over the last uh, kind of two to three weeks have shown that they're not uh, all about this season. They're kind of building for the future with the way they've acquired draft picks for next year's draft and so on. And they signed Alan Quall Bolden just 13 days ago and he, talking to Ross Tucker on Sirius XM, said that he is now done with the sport of football. So he came back, uh, obviously thought there was an opportunity possibly to do something with the Bills this year, but it looks obviously like they have uh, decided to go in a different direction. But with Bolden uh, calling time on his career, uh, whether this is the end or not, yeah, he finished his career with uh, over a thousand catches, uh, thirteen hundred and seventy, thirteen hundred seven hundred seventy nine yards and eighty two touchdowns. So he's pretty high up there in the all time ranks. Do you think uh, 
bold in somebody. I think he came back this season to try and pad those numbers and maybe down the line possibly sneak his way into the, the Hall of Fame. Do you think there's any consideration for that? Do you think he is actually fully retired or do you think this is just a way that we'll see him resurface with a team you know maybe around week one or end of the season with some team that as a contender needs wide receiver help uh yeah I, I have no idea he's like 37 years old i think he's probably retired yeah uh, don't think there was much interest in him outside of buffalo anyway i also didn't like his fit there uh zay jones jordan matthews that's three slot wide receivers and uh we we've seen a lot of teams struggle with that the giants the eagles last year having too many slot receivers but yeah you're right bills look like they're full-on tank mode as a giants fan please trade us incognito and cordy glenn um but yeah dude uh, the the patriots I, I mean it depends on what you think on jay cutler but it seems like they have between five and seven bye weeks this year it seems that way, and Doug's a, a big Patriots guy, does a lot of reporting for the Patriots. So, Doug, are you are you reading into it that way as well that they're just going to absolutely crush the division this year? Yeah, I don't. I think even before all the moves and, and retirements and injuries, I, I didn't really question the Patriots' success in the AFC East this year. Um, obviously, a, a whole bunch has happened to all three teams, other than the Patriots, in the AFC East with the Jets just being bad the bills deciding that they're realizing that they're bad and the dolphins suffering a quarterback injury that they bring in a quarterback that is still bad um so no matter what what, what way you look at it they were already bad to begin with so they're all bad um they're all bad all bad um yeah i i, I think um I think, at least in regards to Buffalo and New York, I think they're really trying to gear up the future, especially Buffalo with the draft picks that they've acquired. Um, you know, I think they have six picks in the first three rounds next year, um, which is quite a few. Um, and obviously it's a new, reg- uh, new regime, a new uh, head coach, a new G- uh, general manager. So it'll be interesting to see. I-, I think they're in full rebuild mode. The Jets, who knows what they're doing? They're They're looking like a rebuild, but it looks like they might even be worse than a rebuilding team. So who knows with that? Um, and the Dolphins, they have the players to win a few games. I mean, they made the playoffs last year, but um, I, I really don't think there was ever any competition for the Patriots. Um, and, and I think this only solidifies it much, much more. It's, uh, I don't know what's possible to be worse than a rebuilding team, but we'll, we'll let that one lie, Doug. But uh, look, and then, again, we're tying this into uh, Tyrod Taylor and the possibility... The 08 Lions. <laughs> yeah, 0-16. 08 never... Lions. A rebuilding team that wins zero games. That's that's what I predict for the Jets. So, uh, look, and then, uh, at the Denver Broncos, they've announced uh, their starting quarterback for week one is going to be Trevor Simeon. Uh, there has been talk as well with people, you know, speculating that they could possibly take in another quarterback to challenge there. But I think more likely with the Jacksonville scenario. Uh, have you been surprised, uh, Scott, since Paxton has come in last year, taking late in that first round, kind of sat most of last year. He got a few games when Simeon was injured, but he really has shown nothing. If he was a quarterback that wasn't taken in the first round, there'd be like people would just be done with him, I think, at this stage. Uh, are you surprised that, you know, Simeon continuing to... I think Simeon's continued to develop. He's nothing special. He's kind of fitting probably into that Alex Smith uh, mold at this point in time, but... He definitely, I think at this moment in time, gives uh, this team a much better chance to win. Do you think uh, we'll ever see anything coming out of Lynch? Do you think it's just he needs more time to develop, or, or how are you looking at things there? Um, I don't know. I mean, he, he great, uh, Simeon graded out better than Blake Bortles last year, so 
there might be some talent there, but uh, with Lynch uh, specifically, I have no idea. He's going to get some more shots. He, he has the draft capital invested in him, and we've seen teams just continually uh, try those guys out and hope for something. He, he might have another chance, but uh, don't see it very likely in Denver. Yeah, no, I think it's similar, similar with that. Another question, I think it could be a very swift answer, and it's uh, with Josh Gordon. The, you know, Roger Goodell said this this past week that uh, it's hopes of his reinstatement, and this is the quote of it, is uh, not under active consideration. I said this time last year that I didn't think we'd ever see Gordon play again. Uh, we see a lot of players once they get into trouble with the NFL's uh, you know conduct policy or else their uh, substance of abuse policy that they just... Uh, can fall back into that trap over and over again hopefully with Martavis Bryant who's on his way back into the league that doesn't happen but looking at uh, Garden is he somebody just that you've uh, you've given up all hope on uh pretty much I mean in dynasty what you, you've been carrying him for three or four three years, years now with nothing yeah um Dude, I, I want to see him go to Canada, him and Johnny Manziel, and just like Heron, smoke weed and get drunk every yeah, just dominate. That'd be so much fun to watch. I I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Doug, have you given up hope there? It's a, I see no chance of him coming back. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of uh, faith in, in Josh Gordon being reinstated. Um, I will say that part of the reason I think that Goodell said that is because Gordon, I don't believe, can even apply for reinstatement until next month. Um, but still, I don't think his chances are any good anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to be a case of what if, because I think that we saw enough when he played that he could have been, you know, a top wide receiver in this league, you know, for whatever reason he, you know, he's not going to be able to, to do that. So yeah, I, I've, I've given up. Well, I think uh, when you mentioned what, whatever reason, there's uh, there's definitely one reason and we all know what that is. <laughs> oh no, but I mean like, obviously we know why he got suspended, but why he is still suspended, I guess is, is what I mean. Because he likes to smoke weed. Uh, well, I, well, it was never it was never confirmed. That's why. Yeah, well, I think it's pretty much uh, we can read between the lines. Uh, moving on, we're gonna. All right, I'm not. I'm just not jumping to conclusions. That's all. Josh Gordon is innocent. He... <laughs> the... Free Josh no, Gordon. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not a Josh Gordon truther. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just, you know, I, I'm not gonna speculate. I'm not. I'm not going to to to, to fall into that trap. We'll just we'll sit on the, we'll sit on the fence. Someone, someone tampered with his uh, urine. Yeah, yeah, his eighteen tests. Uh, we'll move Ryan on. Braun. Yeah, we'll move on to uh, we'll move on to another topic and uh, get away from the the Josh Garden situation. We're going to possibly touch back on some other news topics as we end up. But I want to get on to uh, Scott's uh, work that he's been doing recently. I was very interested, Scott, in the work that you posted up on Twitter over the last couple of days. You've been looking at play caller tendencies. Uh, you've used uh, quite a large sample size. Looking back over ten years, obviously some of the play callers you've put in, you've they haven't been in that position for 10 years so seasons as a, as a full-time play caller but I find it uh, very interesting obviously there was a huge amount of work that went into it what made you want to at first uh, dive in deep into the play caller tendencies and then just coming out of it what were some of the main things that you uh, discovered that you're going to try and implement into the season's uh, kind of strategies yeah uh, why I dug into it I just thought it would it could be useful I thought it was pretty cool um, running low on content uh, and then I just like ruined the last three weeks of my life just doing nothing. <laughs> but, like I didn't realize how difficult it would be because it's not just like offensive coordinator, it's play caller, with, and it's just like the act of manually scraping and googling and bugging beat writers to find out who 
the specific play caller was in each season was uh, a massive undertaking. Uh, but I did find it useful. I, I think all the charts I, I came up with were really cool. I ended up writing uh, about 5,000 words on it. I'm going to split it up into uh, about eight articles each, one on each division. Uh, and it's hard to divorce my findings or like the, the data itself from uh, you know other hidden variables like roster talent. Like we've seen uh, Daryl Bevel of the Seahawks. He leads all active play callers in uh, rush percentage. So he runs more than any uh, play caller. He also has the highest yards per carry average. And I think he's top five in yards per pass attempt. But passers, he's had Russell Wilson and Brett Favre throughout the majority of his career. Marshawn Lynch. And uh, Adrian Peterson as his RB1s throughout the majority of his career. So it is hard to kind of separate those things. But yeah, I, I did find a lot of interesting things. Uh, Andy Reid's RB1s, you just want to attack those like crazy. Over the past 13 seasons, his lead running back has averaged 19.5 PPR fantasy points and 20.8 opportunities per game. Uh, no one else comes close to that. Again, you know, a lot of that sample is Brian Westbrook, Jamal Charles, LaShawn McCoy. But yeah, super uh, impressive, stood out there. Uh, however, we have seen uh, a lack of targets for his wide receiver one. I think only once over the last 18 years has an Andy Reid wide receiver one averaged more than 135 targets on a 16-game pace for prospective 14 different wide receivers were on pace to eclipse that number last season. So maybe you know Tyreek Hill is going to have to rely on hyper-efficiency again rather than this volume that everyone's projecting with Jeremy Macklin gone. Adam Gase, RB1s, see a massive workload, um, and they're not of as high a pedigree as Bevel. Um, his RB1s average 16.4 fantasy points per game, which ranks third most among active play callers. Again, that backs up all offseason reports. They want to see JHI at around 350 carries if he stays healthy. He saw 260 last year. His receiving skills are apparently 200% better than they were a year ago. And Gase has always ranked high in target market share to running backs. Um, Pat Shermer, play caller for the Vikings. His RB1s have been super unimpressive in terms of fantasy points. They rank just 15th in fantasy points per game. But they rank first in weighted opportunity which is nuts. Uh, weighted opportunity, just like assigning the appropriate valuation of carries and targets based on average fantasy points per carry, average fantasy points per target for each running back over the past decade. So his running backs haven't been super effective, but th they aren't great talents either. But they do see this amazing massive workload. I think Dalvin Cook, if he improves in pass blocking, he could have really elite potential. Um, guys like... Uh, Scott Linehan with the Cowboys, uh, his wide receiver one saw a, a career low for him in target market share. His RB1 saw a career low for him in target market share. We could see an increase in receiving work for Ezekiel Elliott slash Darren McFadden in his suspended weeks and Des Bryant. It's, uh, it's amazing when you look through, you know, the way, for the listeners who haven't seen them yet, the way they're done up are as graphs uh, based in, you know, kind of traffic light colors red is, you know, 
not good and then green is the best and depending on the shades it works their way through from amber all the way through but there's some of them that are very interesting and can really really stand out and you mentioned you know i mentioned like the 10 seat there's certain bruce arian with a 10 season sample size that really does give you a good perception of whether what player he has who's in his lineup it gives you a very clear and distinct look then there's play some people like jim bob cooter with one season you know it's just giving you a, yeah. a, a last season sample size but it does give you like some very very interesting uh, looks at it and do you think with the information obviously over 10 years it's uh, a little bit more of an average but if you're looking at maybe say a three or four year sample size do you think it is going to be actionable looking forward to what they do in the season or do you think it's more a case of it's going to be easier to track looking back the way no, of course. I kind of said that in at each blurb in the piece where it's a small sample. You know, don't read too much into this. Take it with a grain of salt. In some cases, I'll I'll provide an analysis based on that. Like uh, Ben McAdoo, for instance, his running back by committee approach. And I'll say, you know, it's a small sample, but I don't think we should be drafting Paul Perkins as RB26, I think it is, when Shane Vereen is RB64 and the Giants love to go shotgun heavy. They go pass heavy, and he's arguably a better fit for the offense. We haven't seen much from Paul Perkins. Uh, but again, 10-year samples. Yeah, that's huge. Like One big takeaway for me was Bruce Arians, as you mentioned. Uh, his wide receiver, too, uh, see 20.1% of the team's targets, which is the most among active play callers by a significant margin. It's, it's, almost as close, it's almost as close as the wide receiver one at 24.7%. So, you know, there's, there's some, when you look yeah. at it, that's a stat that stood out to me because there's, there's certain teams when you look down through it, like uh, if you're looking at, uh, just looking down here in front of me, the Rams and Sean McVay, I know he only has two seasons, but his wide receiver one has got 19.4% of the targets. Then if you look at Bruce Arians, his wide receiver two is getting more percent of the targets, you know, getting 20.1. So when you're looking at it that way and you're looking at if that's going to happen this year, you're better off to have the second wide receiving option for the Cardinals than uh, the first wide receiving option for the Rams if you look at it in that situation. That's a great point. Um, and another thing with, with McVay there is Jay Gruden's targeted his wide receiver one at a really high rate. Uh, his wide receiver one ranks sixth in points per game, 10th in targets per season. So maybe we should be higher on Terrell Pryor. A lot of people are assuming he's going to play the Pierre Garçon role or he's going to play the Deshaun Jackson role, but he might just be the clear cut wide receiver one and, and command a high uh, target market share this season. And another one when you're looking at that is Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers. Uh, he, you know, t- looking at Shanahan, you know, people will talk about him from last year with the the Falcons and the year before, but he actually has 10 years of a, or a nine-year sample size. And a lot of people just think, oh, Kyle Shanahan's only in the league for a couple of years. But from the Redskins all the way back through his years in the NFL, if you look at over those nine seasons, his wide receiver one has 27.2% of the, the market share, his wide receiver one. And you're looking at somebody then like Garçon this year who has played in that offense before. You, you know, I, I still think Garçon has uh, continued to be underrated this year and with drafts. I completely agree. And uh, I'm, I'm like Kyle Shanahan's biggest fanboy. <laughs> I just have a notebook filled with his name and like hearts around it. Uh, if you look at his running backs, uh, we see a massive improve- improvement year over year from once he's taken over as play caller. On average, I think his running backs improve by something like po- 0.5 yards per carry. Um, and then his wide receiver ones, like that's the huge takeaway. He's had uh, Andre Johnson twice, Santana Moss, Jabbar Gaffney, Pierre Garçon twice, Andrew Hawkins, and Julio Jones twice as his wide receiver ones. Uh, and they've averaged 16.5 fantasy points per game during his career. 
which would have ranked ninth best at the position last season. Pierre Garçon, yeah, he led the league in receptions and ranked 11th in fantasy points last time they were together. Uh, it's like one of the weakest all-around uh, rosters in the league, but I, I think Kyle Shanahan's the closest thing we have to an offensive genius like Bill Belichick, and I, I think we could see some uh, guys on that team become fantasy viable. I think when you mentioned, uh, you know, a, a mind, I, I think there is a way you have to look at him. He is a very young head coach. I mentioned the years he's there, but he has that experience. And he, every team he's with, uh, whether even when he was with the Browns, he's been able to develop a system to make those players uh, fit into and, you know, get results out of them. So I, I think this year, like you said, I mentioned Gerson, but there's a lot of options there. And Carlos Hyde has been continually knocked all off season, And, you know, some people like him, some people don't. But in this system, I think there's definitely potential for him to to have a, a nice year you mentioned uh, Dalvin Cook as well and you said that if he can work on his pass protection there's a you know he could be a, have a monster workload is there any other you know areas of this that you looked at and your eyes kind of lit up and said maybe this guy is somebody who is really uh, has an opportunity at his value to have a, a massive season I mean, I'll have to go back over it but I, I do want to re-highlight uh, how bad Dalvin Cook was in pass blocking efficiency last season he ranked fifth worst of all 42 FBS running backs with at least 100 pass blocking snaps last season. And another thing I did was just go back over and watch every single post-draft press conference from the 2017 NFL draft. And uh, um, Shermer wasn't there, but the, the head coach and GM were, and they were like, oh yeah, he's an amazing talent. We love him as a receiver. We love him as a runner. So happy to draft him where he did tremendous value, but he needs to work on pass blocking. And a lot of people, uh, you know, get excited about the rookies coming in, the rookie running backs, whether it's Fournette, just the whole class in general. And every year we see it happen. But, you know, a lot, the same with Ty Montgomery last year. And you'll see situations where if you watch back the Packers film where Montgomery was in, it was a pass play and he just didn't pick up the block and pressure came on Rodgers or Rodgers got sacked. And then for five or six plays after it, you didn't see Ty Montgomery was sitting on the sideline. So if you're a, a young running back or running back, a veteran that just can't pick up pass protection, you're, you're really not going to be on the field. And if you're not on the field, you have absolutely no value in uh, fantasy football. So you definitely need to be in there uh, making those blocks and those key situations. Doug, uh, sitting back there, uh, chilling and relaxing, is there uh, anything that you want to add to that to ask Scott about, about the work he's been doing? No, I, I mean, he, he went really in-depth. And it's really interesting, like you said, you know, trying to correlate between, um, you know, these stats that obviously go back years and years in, in correlation of, of who they had there. Because even if you, if you do look at, you know, I mentioned Bruce Arians, a 10-year sample size, the, the game has changed a lot in 10 years. Yeah, that, that's true, too. And, and um, you know, I don't know, based off of uh, Scott's stats, we should all be going after Jerron Brown right now, considering uh, their wide receiver, too. As he said, their uh, his number two wide receiver right now is Jerron Brown. Uh, wait, wait on Smokey. Smokey's coming back. You say that, and I really hope so. I, I really I, hope so, too. I'm losing hope, man. It's just, I, I, it's not even a question of his talent. It's just his health. It's just whether it was his, um, you know, his sickle cell or spinal tap last season. It was just, uh, or the surgery, I should say. Um, <laughs> it's it's tough, but I don't know. Like it's uh, no very expansive data, and and obviously the things that you don't realize. You know, you think of uh, some of these teams as run heavy or pass heavy, and but then you really look at the actual players in correlation to the. To the play callers, and that can be really, really useful when you're trying to figure out, all right, who's going to be actually worth it this year? Because someone's wide receiver three could be more valuable than someone's wide receiver two on a team, 
just because of their play call tendencies. So, yeah, I, so that's, that's really interesting. That's what I found very interesting about it was looking at the the tendencies and just the way it's laid out. You can compare uh, between all the the teams, the thirty two teams. Well, there is three teams that it's first time uh, play callers this season or last season, so it's not going to be uh, not going to be down for them. But you can find that all on uh, Scott's timeline uh, on his Twitter, which is at Scott Barrett DFB. And I do urge you to go and check that out. And of course, it'll be coming up, I'm sure, in a, a long form. Uh, you mentioned the five thousand uh, words. Is that up yet on uh, Pro Football Focus? No, I, I, you I had to, to go uh, back and uh, proofread all of those uh, five thousand words. <laughs> it looks like I'm going to cut it up into like eight articles, but it, it should be out in a week or two. Yeah, that'll be sweet. I'm looking forward to to reading it and uh, have the the text to go along with the the graphics. The graphics uh, really do provide a lot of information, but getting the uh, analysis from the the writer and uh, Scott himself will help break it down even further. A couple, a little bit of uh, news to run through before we finish up here. First one, uh, I'm trying to see if you're buying it or not, and that there's uh, with Philly Voices, Jimmy Kimsky. He's said that Ron, or Wendell Smallwood could be the Eagles starting running back for the season. He said it's a su- surprise development, but that he has been the best running back by a significant margin. Obviously, Legarrett Blunt's there, and Darren Sproles is there while he might get the starting job it looks like darren sproles uh, will lead the backfield and touches this season and uh, darren sproles uh, will never die he's, he's still going strong but it, it looks to be going to be a you know a bad move for from legard blunt heading down to philadelphia a lot of the time and doug will know this running uh, in new england he ran behind a fullback uh, and james devlin so i think uh, without a fullback on the roster and philadelphia that's going to make it tough for blunt so are you surprised at this development uh, talking up um Wendell Smallwood, and is he somebody that you, you like as a player, or that you just you're not a fan of? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I uh, I kind of take Philly beat writers with a grain of salt. <laughs> they just don't really have a good uh, track record with this stuff. I know I know uh, Jimmy specifically was saying that uh, uh, Smallwood was was slipping on the death chart just like a few weeks ago. Uh, maybe definitely could be. I think it's a low upside position anyway with Darren Sproles stealing all uh, receiving work. Um, maybe I don't know. Yeah, this is one that uh, my situation on reading it was if Legarrette Blunt came in and the offense was successful, he could do similar to what he done with the Patriots last year and pick up those kind of goal line carries and scoop up some touchdowns. I don't think there was ever a chance he was going to do what he did last year, but it's obviously not looking good for him there. And in this backfield, the only person I want to own is uh, Darren Sproles because of the the PPR work he's going to get. And uh, he just uh, continues to, to be a kind of a, an afterthought for a lot of fantasy owners. Doug, are you surprised at how things have gone for Blunt down uh, there in Philadelphia? And do you, do you buy into that comment about uh, running behind the fullback when he was in New England? Yeah, I totally buy it. Not a lot of teams use fullbacks anymore. And uh, it's something to get used to. Um, and obviously, New England was one of those teams that really featured a, a fullback in James Devlin. So, and the other thing I kind of caught by surprise and it, not my surprise but it was kind of funny for me is uh they mentioned that he might be struggling with his weight and i'm thinking to myself no a 250 pound running back struggling with weight um now granted yes he, he was able to be successful last season but there's always that chance that once he gets away from the the very disciplined um you know northern patriots and goes to a team you know really any other team uh there's a chance that he might drop off a little bit and yeah, maybe he's eating too many cheesesteaks. I don't know. But, uh, you know, he has experience. He was just in Philadelphia. He, he was in Pennsylvania only a few years ago when he played for the Steelers. So maybe he has those those, uh, those spots already picked out. But, no, I, I think that, you know, it's a totally different offense, um, you know, where he doesn't use – he's not running behind a fullback, really. Um, new play system, you know, Smallwood, Sproles. 
They have experience with this team already. Um, so it's a multitude of things. But, no, I'm, I'm not surprised as much as I hope that he does well. Yeah, so uh, we'll see We'll see what happens there, but uh, the outlook is not good. Uh, two other bits of news to hit on is uh, both about quarterbacks, and uh, again, kind of, well, the first one is injury-related, so we'll get to that first, and it's uh, Colts center Ryan Kelly, uh, who was drafted last year in the first round, is placed an injured reserve. It is the IR boomerang, so we might see him back uh, a couple of weeks, maybe, uh, I think it's week six he's eligible to come back in. He had foot surgery this week, so that's a bad development for their running game, and particularly Andrew Luck as well, uh, you know, trying to keep him upright. Me and Doug have talked on the show at length on a number of occasions about the offensive line and the situation there in Indianapolis and it looked like they might have been starting to put things together but um, obviously with Luck being out uh, at the moment and not uh, playing at this point in time. Uh, since the start of training camp how is your outlook for the, the Colts kind of, and their skill position players uh, changed? At this moment in time the only player that I'm really still going after uh, in drafts is uh, T.Y. Hilton and uh, you know even at this point I am still taking him in MFL 10s and so on but uh, my expectations are starting to be tempered a little bit yeah it's it's not good i i have these like daydreams that andrew luck after he retires just disappears for two decades and then and that exacts this count of monte cristo-esque revenge on ryan grigson for you know single-handedly like ruining the first decade of his career it, it's bad the the offensive line ranked last in the league in pass blocking efficiency last season. Uh, it's going to be really hard to keep him upright. Ryan Kelly wasn't exactly one of our higher graded centers in the league for sure, but you know, just the overall roster talent's not good. Luck is questionable for week one. Uh, I'm still drafting Jack Doyle and T.Y. Hilton and hoping uh, Luck gets healthy. I was just in an expert IDP draft uh, that Mike Clay put together. He got Andrew Luck in round 11 which is an absurd value. Uh, uh, I, I got to say, Clay smoked me in that draft. Uh, it just like uh, everyone... I mean, if if uh, Mike Clay uh, beats you at anything to do with fantasy football, it's, it's just not a surprise. <laughs> he just has the man. He was just getting all of my favorite players like two rounds later than I thought they'd go. Uh, it was infuriating. But yeah, he's just he's the man. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess that's all I have to say on, on Indy. The team's not good. Luck is very good, but hurt. Yeah, so again, when you're mentioning if, if players are starting to fall to those sort of ranges, I have been taking T.Y. Hilton, but it's kind of around that first, second turn almost. But if you're getting luck dropping down like that, I think even if he misses the first couple of weeks, uh, there definitely is a, a huge, huge value there. Last one now is Dak Prescott, and uh, he's been talking up his uh, hashtag chemistry with Des Bryant and how it's growing this offseason. Last season, obviously, we've seen you know more of a, a run-heavy offense, and with Zeke possibly missing those first uh, six games of the season, they had a nice uh, thing going in the, the last preseason game, two catches for 55 yards and a touchdown for Dez, but are you buying into the possibility that the Cowboys might uh, start to you know take the shackles off Dak and start letting them pass a little bit more? Yeah, I think to a degree they, they definitely will. Uh, you know, More experience in the offense, further rapport with Dez Bryant, uh, but I think we know their offensive identity. We know they're going to be a run-first team. Uh, you know, it, Darren McFadden's fine, or at least he was two seasons ago at Dallas. He ranked sixth in fantasy points once he was named the starter. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I love Dak Prescott. His ADP makes no sense. He's QB thirteen. He finished QB six uh, last season. If the they take the shackles off and he passes more, that's even better. He ranks second among all fantasy quarterbacks and fantasy points per dropback. So the more dropbacks only mean more points. And one thing I, I don't think a lot of people are looking at with him 
uh, in regard to his his upside. He just posted one of the greatest his, uh, non-era adjusted QB seasons ever statistically. And his ADP implies that everyone's like, oh, guaranteed sophomore slump. I, I think it's possible he improves as a passer due to all these things. But another thing, too, is he was this amazing dual threat quarterback in college. He, he averaged 14 rushing attempts, 65 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown per game over his final three seasons in college. Imagine if Dallas just gives him like one or two more designed runs and, and, and lets him be more mobile in the pocket. That would be a crazy high for fantasy. That's like Cam Newton prospects with a guy who's arguably a better pocket passer. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I like Dak Prescott a lot. Yeah, and I think you said arguably a better pocket passer. I think uh, probably at this point in his career, uh, compared to Newton's first year in the league, definitely at that, at that stage of his development, a better pocket passer anyway. So I, I think there's opportunity to grow there. And you know, you mentioned uh, the opportunities that he had were lower than most other quarterbacks, and then finishing second overall in, in that metric. But if you look at what he did, he was just uh, so highly efficient. And although that efficiency might decline if he does get those extra pass attempts and rush attempts in games, uh, there's definitely inability for his uh, overall stance to move up just uh, as we finish up here you mentioned you know some of the different player stats and pff grades is there any other players that stood out for you that maybe are sliding under the radar still based on what they achieved last season in in the pff grades yeah i so i'll draft a lot of like really gross ugly guys that that no one wants to draft like that's my thing for like i Frank Gore had a ton of him last year in best ball leagues. But uh, one guy like that is Kenny Britt. He is oh, I 80... love, love Kenny Britt. Good, good. His his ADP is wide receiver 50. Uh, he finished 27th at the position last year. Now, you have to take into account two huge or maybe three huge things. One, he had the toughest cornerback schedule in the league last year. He ran 35.7% of his routes against top 25 great quarterbacks. That was the highest rate in the league. The quarterback play there was horrific. Um Rams passers collectively averaged 70 point, a passer rating of 70.4, second lowest in the league. Yet when targeting Kenny Britt, the average of passer rating of 96.2, that was the largest positive differential for all wide receivers. Again, and strength of schedule is not going to be great this year, and quarterback play is still a concern. But uh, his ADP is just stupid. And then on top of that, uh, there's very minimal target competition all active tight ends on the Browns roster combined to amass only 12 career receptions at the NFL level. Corey Coleman is the only wide receiver on active wide receiver on the roster with more than 20 career receptions. And I'm not a Corey Coleman guy. Uh, They paid Kenny Britt wide receiver one money. Uh, Yeah. Finished 27th at the position last year, wide receiver 50 and ADP. That makes no sense to me. I'll, I'll draft him there every time. Yeah, if you look at the the situation with the the Rams last year, you couldn't have had a more disgusting situation. So uh, even if he is going to the Browns, I think it's going to be an upgrade, and we'll see uh, we'll see how their quarterback situation goes. They have talked about uh, naming their quarterback uh, on Wednesday. We're recording this on Tuesday, so uh, we could see a boost in some of the the skill position players. Then at that point, obviously, as we wrap up the show here, I want to say that uh, Scott, I mentioned his Twitter handle earlier, is on Twitter at Scott Barrett DFB. He is a senior fantasy football analyst for Pro Football Focus Fantasy. Uh, Scott, as we wrap up, anything else that uh, you've got coming out? or is it uh, we just waiting on the the monster article series uh it's pretty much that and then i'm going to do a bunch of uh draft pieces you know uh different guys to target at adp on different sites guys are rankings like versus adp things like that but yeah check out my twitter check out the uh, play caller series 
Yeah, and uh, over the last week, I've mentioned uh, the last couple of weeks that I've been doing a lot of work with Rotoviz. Uh, I took on a new role with Rotoviz to be the uh, assistant executive producer there, along with Matt Freeman for the uh, Rotoviz radio channel. So that's something I'm excited about. So I guess uh, I'll have to plug that and head on over after you listen to this and uh, check out the great content over at rotoviz.com. Doug, as well with you, uh, anything coming out uh, this week that you want to you wanna shoot out there? I am working on a uh, top 10 active uh, NFL head coaches in the league right now which my work seems like very small compared to everybody else's. And I, I feel like I could do better. Um, but no, I have a, a top 10 active head coaches in the NFL um, piece coming out for the lead sports probably this week. Um, and I'm also going to be exploring some potential um, uh, trade options for uh, the Patriots. That'll probably be done. Hopefully today, if I can get around to it, I'm not <laughs> sleeping too much. Doug, uh, Doug, Doug, sleep interrupted at uh, eleven thirty a.m. Eastern time, uh, so that was tough for him. On his, but on his birthday, he's uh, going to pump out an article for you to, to read. So make sure you're following him uh, on Twitter at dmorenfl. You can obviously follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and uh, of course Scott at Scott Barrett DFB. So uh, Scott, thanks for jumping aboard the show. Yeah, thanks guys. Happy birthday, Doug. And uh, all that's left for uh, me to say is uh, until the next time we're back later, uh, or actually next week. Uh, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.